Why can't everything just happen in one magical take? I'm trying to write this article right now. Um, and this is what's on my mind right now. And, and I was just running it by some people. And, and this is the thought here. Um, I was watching a podcast by Lex Friedman, who I think you know, right, Michael? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, Lex He's Friedman. awesome. Yeah. Um, he's like the more scientific version of Joe Rogan, but less podcast personality. Also, and it all balances itself out. <laughs> this, is, this is a really quick thing. Have you ever watched the one with his dad? I've not. Yeah. The one, the one, Lex Friedman interviews his dad, and it's one of the coolest interviews I've ever heard. His dad's fascinating, Ru- old, um, you know, Russian from, um, and just yeah. a, this incredibly brilliant scientist, but just has such a wealth of wisdom. Anyways, continue. So, anyways, um, about two, a couple of days ago, he interviewed Mark Zuckerberg, and Zuckerberg said in the interview. He was talking about the metaverse and all the possibilities and what's happening with the metaverse. And he said, um, we're trying to create and maintain the illusion that we are um, in and present to our world. Which is one of the most screwed up things I've ever heard somebody say. And he says it with a smile on his face and he says it like this is a good thing. But he's saying we're trying to create and maintain the illusion that we are in our world and present to our world. Yeah, which is absolute insanity. Which is absolute insanity, right? And you start to think about and, – and, and this is kind of – that really triggered some things as you might think. And this is kind of what I've been, uh, I've been kind of spewing to everyone tonight as i'm trying to sort through these thoughts is um you know we're we're thinking about you know all these things that are happening in the world today whether it's with ukraine and canada and you know united states you know and all these different places and um and all of our information you know is being gotten from you know social media sources whether it's facebook and and Instagram or Twitter or whatever different and social media sources. And it's all, all of it gotten on the internet, you know, um, you know, and, and the thing I'm most concerned about though, um, with all of this is the attack that it has on our free will. That's actually what I'm most concerned about. Um, because you start to put somebody in a metaverse and the most important the, the thing about a metaverse is that is that um the way we experience things and the way we come to know things and the way that we judge things is all through our senses right and so what we do is they've given us this little phone and the, these little things that work on the phone that we call apps and they basically become the phone becomes our brain and the apps become the little compartments of our brain. And we're told to, if you want to think about this, you go onto Facebook. If you want to think about this, you go onto Instagram. If you want to think about, you know, Facebook, you know, it's like world issues and Instagram has become like um, artistic, more artistic things. And work is like LinkedIn or whatever. I don't know for everyone. It's a little bit different. There's lots of, lots of apps, but you know, you have this little brain that you have and then you plug into it. Right. And then you're told what to think. And all of a sudden, that's an attack on your free will, and they're trying to control what you think, you know. And and it's and, and who's they? You know, you can get into all kinds of things. That's all conspiracy theory. I'm not trying to be conspiracy theory. The point is that you're not thinking for yourself. And it's not. But, it's not but, actually reality. Like you're not 
actually coming to terms with the real world. And Elon Musk went on this about maybe it's almost almost two years ago now on the the Rogan podcast. And when he first brought up the whole idea of the the no man, I'm not gonna remember the name of it. Cause, oh, Cyberlink, I think is what it is, right? Where you plug the, yeah. the chip into the back of your brain. Yeah. And and Rogan was kind of taken aback because I mean, who wants to be living? wants a computer brain and Musk brought up the point of, well, we already have it. Like we're already interfacing with a, we're already interfacing with a computer all the time. Like we already use our phones as sort of like second brains. So anyways, continue. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the problem is that, you know, they found it's this, that, you know, you can't control a person that way because a person has fingers and they have ears and they have a nose and they have a mouth and they have all these things that, that, you know, and, and a ra- brain and rationality, they can think for themselves, right? And so what happens is the person maintains their free will and their ability to be rational. All right, well, what's the next step to then? Well, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is, you know, sitting in the same podcast I was listening to talking about um, what what are they called? These suits. Um, you, oh, the haptic you, suits? The haptic suits, yeah. The, these haptic suits where where basically, you know, you can put your wear this haptic suit and put your hand down and feel the illusion of a table there. The table's not there, but you can feel it. Yeah. And that's something Le- Le- Lex Friedman asked him about. He said, you know, when we're having a conversation in person, when I'm sitting right next to you, there are certain things that we can do that you can't do on Zoom or you can't do on the internet right now. I can't see the minute you know, movements that you make. I can't lean over and whisper something to you in a conversation. You know, all of a sudden, like your 3D movements that you make, they don't mean as much to me. Mark and Lex Friedman asked Mark Zuckerberg, he's like, how long until those things are available in this alternative, in this alternative universe? And, you know, he said something along the lines of, you know, five years at least, you know, and then those things will be available. And that's all with the haptic suits, you know, and, and, and things like that, you know. And so what's happening is once that's available and once your senses are, you know, this first thing with your phones, control your brain. Well, that's not enough. Now control your senses. And all of a sudden, it's a threat to your free will. Because if you are unable to sense things and then rational, make rational decisions based on that then your free will is is um is well, severely um, compromised i mean that's severely a compromised yeah if not if not well no severely compromised i mean everybody will still retain some amount of free will i mean this is a question that and here's a it's an odd moral question but if you if you are feeling everything if every sense that you have is activated while you're playing a game and you're playing a shooter game and you're killing people in that game I mean, how culpable do you end up being, right, for being an assassin? And it's a weird thought, but it's like if all of your senses are believing that what you are experiencing is real, and that's the hard part about it, is that you can say, well, okay, but I didn't actually kill anybody in the game. Yeah, but our sense knowledge is our knowledge. All knowledge comes through the senses, all of it. We don't, it's not like 50% comes through the senses and then the other 50% we've just sort of gathered from some you know, a fear, you know, faraway source in our minds or in our hearts. Like, no, no, no. All the sense start, all, all of our knowledge started in the senses. Yeah. There's, there's now we have conceptions in our yeah. mind or movements of our heart, but all of those, the movements of our heart and the, and the, and the, 
um, conceptions of our mind began in our senses. So if all of your senses are tricked into believing that something is real when when it's not real, you can't actually say, well, that's not a real person because all of your senses believe it's a real person. There's no there's no ability to distinguish. Yeah. And the thing that people will say about, you know, video games and the defense, you know, that people will give for first person shooter video games is that, you know, your senses aren't totally tricked. You know, right now they're not. Which is true. You know, which they're is not, true. They're not, they're not your, completely. Your senses are not totally tricked. Now, and now it is interesting to think, though, that, you know, when those video games came out or say the first time you played a video game personally and an experienced video game like that, your senses were more tricked than they were later on when you're used to it, right? We're evolutionary species. I, I don't know about that, actually. I might, I might actually say that the, the, the further in you get, the more your senses are tripped, although it's more, cause it's more normal. I mean, it's, it's, it's much more well, of a, yeah. a wonderful experience at the beginning, right? You experience this sort of, this sense of wonder at being able to play major league baseball in a major league baseball game or the end you know, be playing in the NFL. But then eventually would, that yeah. wears off and it becomes somewhat normal. But I mean, look at, look at the amount of people who create, I mean, I think uh, creating Madden leagues or creating, you know, call of duty leagues and all these different things are a testament to the fact that actually the, the, the far, further in you go, the more you play these things, I think the more your senses do believe that it's real and you begin to kind of identify more with the uh, game or you put, part of your personality or part of your uh, your 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 personhood or your soul into yeah. these games so I, well I maybe that's know. where you distinguish between um your senses there maybe your senses maybe believe that it's more real but your rationality at first is think your your rationality um being more aligned with your senses at first when you experience it and you have that wonderful sensation of for the first time you played this game and you're and um, and then your rationality is tricked into thinking, even just for a split second, like this is real. And then your rationality kind of, you know, triggers in with everything you know in your senses, and and you realize this is not real. Your senses then, you know, become more um, more in your your senses then become more tricked, and your rationality becomes less tricked. Your rationality thinks this is um, um, your rationality is able to distinguish that this is not real, but yeah. your senses, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I mean, that, that, yeah, I think there's something to that. It's all it, theory. It is a, it is a really strange. <laughs> no, it's a very strange future that some of these people are trying to achieve. Because did you watch the did you watch the first Facebook Meta? advertisement i think it was uh the first actually it was around it was around christmas time that it played i i believe it was during like bowl games um is when i saw it but the advertisement was of two people and they're living their lives and one of them they like and it goes back and forth between this the the these two people who are like best friends within the metaverse and they're playing with one another and then it'll kind of come out of the metaverse and you'll see this guy and he'll get on he'll get on a elevator and he'll go down the elevator and then he'll ride back up the elevator and he just looks depressed or he's in work and he looks depressed and you know it's raining outside and he's depressed and you know and then and, and I mean the whole time he just looks depressed and I th- believe at the time he also has like a wife and children I, I don't I don't quote me on this but I no 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 he's completely alone which is worse <laughs> um, and, and then across the the hallway from him 
I think that guy had the other guy has a uh, wife and child. Anyways, so th- this commercial goes on and on, and you see these two people, and they're going about their daily lives, and they're you know one sitting at their office, and they're depressed, and the other person's going up, and and at a certain point though they get on an elevator together, and they go up and down, they don't talk to one another, and then they go into their rooms, and they live in apartments like next to each other, and at one point like they they're doing something crazy in the metaverse and one guy makes a big loud noise and the other guy goes over to the wall and says, you know, like, shut up. Like what, you know, like bangs on the wall. It's like, shut up, you know, stop making noise. And then he puts on his goggles again and they're best friends in the metaverse. And that's the commercial. And I was like, that is the most twisted. That is the worst advertisement for something like this. I mean, maybe people at this time are so inundated that they don't perceive how just utterly evil that is. But to me, that was almost shockingly evil. To, to talk, oh, yeah. To look at a life and to say, you know, here's this life. It's so depressed. But when you get into, like, you don't know your neighbor, you're completely alone. But it's like, well, why are you completely alone? Why don't you know your neighbor? Why are you depressed? Well, I mean, have you ever thought it's because you've been putting goggles on your face and you're be going to, you've been going yeah, to I mean, a different reality? Charity, you've, like, you've, never walked, you've, you've never walked outside and felt the rain and felt the wonder of the raindrops on your skin or felt the wind blowing, even if it's a cold wind, to feel the cold wind blowing through your hair, to feel your beard freeze, to to hear somebody like you've never experienced those things like those things don't make you alive maybe it's because you've been putting goggles on your face and yeah what the crazy thing though is is that that's what that's what facebook or now meta or or mark zuckerberg is 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 promoting is talking about as though that's the good that's a good end of humanity like that's somehow fulfilling and it's like that is yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's shocking, and and it's something you know. We were talking the other day. You you're you just finished, I think, reading the symposium. No, I still have the the third part. Well, you're almost Alcibi- done with it. I'm so close. I mean, it's Alcibiades yeah. is going on and on, and you know, ripping. Yeah. Anyway, so you're almost done with the symposium, and I I, be- I believe you you were saying that in one part of the symposium, I th- I think you were saying Socrates, if I remember correctly. Um. Is talking about the thing that tyrants fear the most. No, that's at the beginning, I believe. Oh, that's, that's at the, the beginning. The two people who are walking. Okay. I believe that's or or it's the first person to talk, not Agathon, but um. Oh darn it! Their names Greek Greeks. Yeah, Anyways, I can't remember. The first the first person that talks, he talks about the two dis- distinguishes between the two loves, and he talks about first he talks in praise of love, and he says that love is the thing that tyrants fear the most because the. The, the bond like any army would wish and, and hopes that there if an army was to be created out of friends out of people who were in love uh, out of beloved and beloved and lovers or lovers and the beloved if an army was created out of it, they would be in an unstoppable army because they would never give up they would always sacrifice themselves for the beloved or for the for, or for their lover and they would yeah. never ever give up they would they would never yeah. flee they would never their courage would never fail because what lover wouldn't go to the end for their for their beloved, you know? And, and I think yeah. that was – or what beloved wouldn't go to the end for their lover. So anyways, yeah. And, and so we talked yeah, about so, – yeah. I mean, and it's interesting then. I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, like what, the thing that a tyrant or the enemy or, you know, what they fear the most, you know, is friendship and, and love. Yeah. And – and a couple of things have been going through my mind with that. One is the story I saw about the situation in Ukraine, which, you know, who knows if it's true at this point, yeah. but it's a story I saw. Yeah. And it was of this young couple who got married 
Um, and they were supposed to get married later on, but they got married real quickly just because they didn't know what would happen. And then they spent the first couple hours of their married life, you know, arming up with guns and getting ready to defend Ukraine. At this point, who knows if the story is true or not? It's a great story, though. Right. And you can imagine that type of story giving the people around them hope. And I was thinking, why does that story give people around them hope? It's not like two young kids who just got married with a couple of AK-47s are going to be taking down Russia. Why does that give you hope? Well, because we all know and people know innately, like when they see it, that this, you know, it's like when you, you when you're a kid and you see a spider and your parents tell you it's more afraid of you than you are of it. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. exactly what a tyrant is like when it sees friendship and love. Right. It's more afraid of you than you are of it. Yeah. Which, I you think, know, which I think is telling in, in today's world. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, who's they who's the whole conspiracy theory. And I don't even know. I don't think there's much of a conspiracy theory. If there's a conspiracy yeah. theory, it's pretty out in the open at this point. It's and unimportant who they is. It is it is in many ways it's unimportant because it's the same game that's always been played, right? It's I mean it's the same thing over and over again with throughout history. It's just that now they have these technological tools to be able to get into your own home, to be able to, to be able to speak to you directly essentially. Right? Yeah. But it's the same old game. Um and and yeah, I think you're you're exactly right. what do they what do people who want power fear the most people who just because friend friends and this is the other i see i love when c.s lewis c.s lewis's chapter on friendship and in, in the four loves where he talks about the love of friendship and he talks about how it it is in one sense a love which excludes it, it doesn't want any outside interference right like when you f when 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 you find a friend you just you've you've in a sense fallen in love over something right you've you've said oh you too like you too have a love for something and then this this friendship blossoms and you find that you know soul recognizes soul or you know all the different language that is used for it but in that you don't want outside interference you don't want to allow sort of the outside world to push into the friendship to sort of pollute it and so within you know with any sort of actual tyrannical structure or oligarchical structure or even democratic structure in some way um the bad form of democracy just <laughs> which is actually called democracy like with any any one of those sort of bad social or political orders friendship exists outside of that people who are friends who are who are as the greeks say who are lovers like they don't participate in that because they're caught up in their love they're caught they have there's the there's the the lover the beloved and their love but it's their love like the third the third in each and i think yeah. it's um it's aristophanes who goes on about how you know at, at, at one time it was not man and woman they were they were they were united and there was actually there were three parts there was there was three parts to humanity there was the lover the beloved and their love and then they were split apart by the gods as punishment. But I think what's beautiful about that is yeah. that when you have and their love, well, that exists outside of anything anybody can touch. And so all of a sudden you have a small social structure which exists outside of the the the, the tyrannical structure. And then, but then this is the beautiful thing, is that then C.S. Lewis talks about, though it's a love that excludes, it's always a love that's looking to add another to their company. 
Like you don't just want to be friends with one person. Like you find, you create a friendship. And, and I think the, the inklings and the Lewis and the Tolkien and the, the writers of the inklings are great, are a great testament to this. Like I'm sure it only started with two of them sitting around and talking about their art or talking about their writings and stuff, but they were searching for a third and then they searched and then the, th- and then the three searched for a fourth and then the, f- and then the, the, you know, they, then they search for a fifth and a sixth, right? So they're constantly searching for another to add They're Now they're very picky, right? Friendship is going to be, is going to be, you know, exclusive in the sense that if, if somebody comes along and they don't share in that, in that common love, well then, they're not in the group, you know, and, and like we all recognize this yeah. when we're in middle school, but those are, we call them clicks. Cause at that point they're incredibly superficial and they're, they're more, they're superficial. But yeah. when you have something that's deep, when you have virtue that is loved by, by two and two people pursue virtue or pursue the good life, uh, pursue the good or pursue something beautiful or pursue the truth together, well, then all of a sudden you have a true bond of friendship. And that friendship exists outside of any sort of tyrannical structure. But it's always looking to add a, you know, a third or a fourth or a fifth to it. And I think that's one of the the pieces where slowly that 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 grab for power becomes eroded by friendship itself and 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 i think in that way love ends up overcoming it and like you said tyrants are more afraid of that than they're afraid of anything else because they know that it will erode it because they know that the people who are in in love with one another who have a love outside of you know just the the well, the dreary every day, just go to work, get your things done, go back home, you know, be alone, like be alone, but do your things, be productive, be a productive member of society, get your stuff done, you know, and then go home and enjoy our metaverse and be entertained and be pleasured by, you know, the pleasures of this world and, and by, you know, and, and by the bodily pleasures, which are the basest of all pleasures and basest of all, of all goods. And so of all loves. And so they know that 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 true friendship will erode all of that, will destroy all of that. And there's nothing. Here's the other the the, the hopeful thing is that there's nothing they can do about it. Like if it happens, yeah. it happens. Like we, in many ways, that's where we can say free will is not compromised. Like we're in control of that. We can choose to 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 go outside, to yeah. turn off our phones, to to well, to, yeah. And here's where yeah. So that's all, that's true. There's a, there's a lot that came to my mind with what you were saying. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll just say this. I'll, I'll I'll just address where you're at. Right. Yeah. We still have that that free will to go turn off the phone. But how long till we don't have that free will? Right. And 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 that's kind of the, it's kind of funny when you think about it this way. It's kind of you know funny, but it, it's kind of the conversation I was having tonight with some people. Um, as I was questioning, you know, how long do we don't have that free will? Uh, what does that mean? You know, and once you do that, you kind of step into a hypothetical realm, um, and that's never the healthiest place to be. But you need to be, I think, aware of it to an extent. And this is kind of, and it was kind of funny. You know, it's it's obviously a little bit humorous when you talk about this. But what does that look like when you can't put down the phone? Well, kind of, you know, one possibility is it looks like something like that Wally movie, right? <laughs> yeah. It's... You know, you have a bunch of people living in a metaverse and their whole life is in a metaverse. Yeah. And they literally do not move. 
their whole entire life is in a metaverse, which is not that far-fetched of a thing. Why? Because we we have feeding tubes. We can have feeding tubes. We can do everything we want in the metaverse. As far as reproduction goes, we have artificial insemination. We can do any of that. We could do it all. We could do this all. Not a problem. The problem becomes that when someone reclaims their free will and their identity and they say, put down the phone, take off the mask, right? And then they get up to move. And like, imagine one of those people from they the Wally move. movie getting up to move. He can't move. He'll die in five steps because he's obese, right? Yeah. You know, once you, so my point in saying that is that there's a dependency you create on that type of life. So what you have to do, you have to put down the phone before you be get in that state, but, right? But I'm not, I'm not sure that the human spirit I, would ever let it get that bad. And, and this is, this is, I suppose, that. and well, no, I, I hope, hope you're right, but <laughs> well, I hope I'm right too. But, but honestly, it, Hope would tell us, and I think hope would say that no, the human spirit would never. Now, many might succumb to something like that, and I think today many do succumb to things like that. I mean, you do have a mass amount of obesity within the United States, and and I think you know some. I mean, you know, some people will just struggle with it, but I think it's a real struggle because our world does, in some ways, make that that a real fight you have to there's some people that don't want to be obese probably and are really struggling with obesity because like around them there are all these things that are helping them become obese that are encouraging them to well you know don't you know, don't get off the computer and go outside you know don't 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 go join a martial arts gym and learn how to you know use your body in a, in a beautiful way you know, don't do any of that stuff. Just, just stay inside. Just play another game. You know, just, just. Oh man, you just died in this it's game. So like, interesting too. No, just, it's just so start another too, one. Because yeah. I remember when the Wii came out. Oh and yeah, we were it was all about the so whole, yeah. excited because up to then, it was like now well, you can I mean, I grew up on. Games. I grew up on Nintendo sixty four. We never had like the, you know, the the, um, the. PlayStation the GameCube or, or the Playstations or whatever. Yeah. We never had that. We, I, I had Nintendo 64. So you had a controller with a wire hooked up to the box. You would play Pac-Man and you would play Mario Kart and Madden 64, which, you know, was horrible. Which is, yeah. And all this stuff. <laughs> and then occasionally you would go over to friends' houses and they would have like a GameCube, I think it was called, and and um, and uh, PlayStation and things like that. And then Wii comes out, and Wii was huge because all of a sudden, you, you know, we envisioned this thing like, like um, they told you know what they said was like your movements are the game, and so it was almost advertised as if it was like healthy. Yeah. As if it was oh like my healthier. gosh! It was it was it was definitely advertised as those healthy. In fact, PlayStation and Xbox jumped on that on that train, and the amount of exercise games and dance games and all these things that came out with all these platforms that like, were all like don't go play tennis you just go play just wii play tennis wii tennis and like you're like oh, okay yeah that makes sense and then you go play wii tennis and you realize you're just like flailing your arm around like an idiot but here, right but here's the crazy but, thing though, is what what kind of set i was thinking about this the other day because tennis is incredibly hard right i mean I, oh, Tan, tanner showed up one time oh like, it's so like, hard tanner loves going and playing tennis so everyone when he's home, he'll, every once in a while, he'll be like, yo, let's go play tennis. So we'll go up there and play tennis. And I'm always amazed at how difficult it is. Like, t- 
tennis is just one of those. So I, I never difficult. played tennis growing up, and I, it's just one of those sports that I just never play, and I, I still don't really play it. So it's like you know, I, I've played it probably 10, 15 times in my life, and so every time I play it, I'm reminded of, holy cow, it takes a lot of skill to play this game, and the but the satisfaction you get that even going from like complete noob being able to not hit the ball whatsoever over the net absolutely whiffing on things you know just not getting any stroke right like to be able to play a very basic game with your friend is a thousand times more satisfying and fulfilling and now every imagine that satisfaction expert when you when you yeah exactly you imagine going to a court and you suck because it's your first, second time playing tennis. And like we said, tennis is hard. So you suck. Yeah. And then you're like, screw this. I'm just going to play Wii go, and then And then your parents buy you a Wii. And you go and you play tennis on the Wii. And all of a sudden, you're Serena Williams. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. like... But, the but, satisfaction is through the roof. And well, so, I mean, but, but, and, and the skill is, you know, there's no skill involved. But you I know? Don't know if the satisfaction is through the roof. And that's where I think hope comes in here because I, I do think yeah, that, okay. I do think that, you know, over the years, I've just, I've played less and less video games because of that very fact, which is like, I got really good at some video games. You know, you get really good at a video game, but then you just realize that, like, I'm not, actually good at anything like i'm not really good at anything like yeah i'm good at clicking some buttons and moving a little joystick but like that's not something in in some ways it's just nothing i mean it's it's nothing fulfilling to the human spirit it's nothing fulfilling to the human body the mind i mean yeah maybe the mind's engaged a little bit but i i don't i i feel as though the satisfaction that you get at being able to play a mediocre game of tennis or a very poor game of tennis with your friend is is a thousand times greater that being than being Serena Williams in Wii tennis. And and now yeah. now and this is going back to an no, earlier discussion. Not, now let's not yeah. now here's the and, and here's the part where Mark Zuckerberg is kind of pushing towards. Which is the part that is legitimately worrisome. And I think I told you that when I when I went to just, you know, I was so curious about the VR. So I just popped on the, the I went to the VR arcade and popped on the headset with like the ear things and everything like that. And even just having the head, even just the two senses, the sight and the and the 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 hearing. Um those two things, those two senses were enough to throw me into something where it felt quite real quite real and 15 minutes felt like hours i think i made or maybe it was 25 minutes or something like that i mean it felt like a good hour or two and that kind of trickery of the senses is dangerous in the fact that I walked outside and it took me a couple hours to come back to reality it had been raining when i walked in and i had had just i had a really nice afternoon actually and i just remember really loving the the warm rain and it was you know in south carolina and the, there was you know this warm rain and i'd just been on the beach and it was just beautiful and then after i came out of the vr arcade it was still raining and i was feeling the rain and i was trying to come back to reality like come on like come on like get there and and it's the same sort of sense that you have when you know you're on your phone for a while 
and you kind of just end up going down just a rabbit hole of let's say YouTube. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden you kind of get off of it and there's just this this, this sort of dis this emptiness yeah. inside. And and you try to go outside and you try to look at the sunset. Normally sunsets move you, but this time you're looking at it, just nothing's happening and and you're almost like, "Oh gosh, like what the heck?" And there's a temptation in the moment to just go back to your phone. Right. And the only way that yeah. you can actually get to the sunset is by pushing through that and waiting and and overcoming the temptation to go do something. And look, it's a temptation. I fall to it all the time. The thing, like, yeah. I, constantly. But I think the, thing, the, the VR yeah. stuff is incredibly dangerous because it is now a hundred times more trick like trickery. Yeah, the yeah, thing I keep so. hearing in all this too, like which I just think is fascinating, is the the perception the perception of time with all this. Like you said, you're in there for 20, 25 minutes and it feels like hours, right? And you mentioned like we're on our phones, right, all the yeah, time, and like all of a sudden time goes by, right, and it feels like not that much time. Or you know, say you watch a movie, and how easily can you be tricked while you're watching a movie that like, oh my gosh, I went through that whole life with that person. Or whatever, you know, and it's like your sense of time is so easily skewed by one or two senses. Yeah. So easily skewed by one or two senses. Right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, no. So all of a sudden, your sense of time is so skewed by these two senses. What does that say? You know, and now you make it even, you know, more real with a metaverse where it's not only one or two senses but we're engaging all of the senses then you know presumably what happens to our idea and our perception of our own mortality then if our mortality is based on time, time yeah right do we all of a sudden lose sense of our mortality Right, and I think we do. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess I well, just don't know. Well, but it's a quite, it's a question. That's an interesting. Like, that is an interesting line of inquiry, because there's a, there's a part of our modern world, right? Like memento mori, right? Remember, remember your death. Remember your death, and, and it's it, there's something you know haunting. You know, having a skull on your desk and and looking at that skull and remembering that, you know, yeah. to you know from dust. Did I come, you know, to dust shall I return? Oh, nice, nice. Hello, Mister Skull. <laughs> Hello, Death. Always no. keep one on my desk. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I actually really gotta get a skull. I guess I can't like walk in a Chick Fil A with a skull. <laughs> I'm just walks and I'm just like, I oh, just carry this wait, with me. Just quick story just here. Quick story here. Yeah. I I wanted to get a skull for my desk because it's you know yeah it, it's there's a huge tradition of yeah. having a skull on your desk to remember that everything you do, you know. This die. is how you'll end up. Yeah. You know, I wanted to get one. So I go on Amazon or whatever. And I'm like, I want to get a skull. And I actually Googled real human skull. Cause I kept <laughs> finding these things. I was like, I was like, all right, this is fake. This is fake. And, and, you know, I was like, no, I want the real deal. And then it hit me as I was typing in. I was like, why would they have that? I was like, <laughs> I was like, why would they have that? And why would I want that? Like, <laughs> well, well, I don't, I don't blame you for really wanting it. I mean, that, like, what do you think? What do you think all the people, you know, what do you think all the saints who actually had re- like skulls in their desk had? This wasn't a fake skull. They had real skulls. I mean, you go to the, yeah, the guess, skull yeah. chapels, like they had real skulls. I mean, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Amazon but was, it was just Amazon funny. Was I like typed point. it into Amazon and I was, and then I just had a moment of, of remembering like, I'm on Amazon, not in 
some graveyard or some skull church in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's where we should go. You go to Italy and you're just like, can I have one? Like, can I have one? Can I can I just take? They're one like, one? no, that's an integral part to the chandelier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Like, here's all the Anyways. femur. Here's the femur chandelier. You're like, oh, yeah. that's. Pretty cool, I guess. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to make. You're saying this. about memento mori, though. And... No, I, I think the whole memento mori and 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 our modern age, like people are terrified to think of death now. People people don't want to remember their own death, and and it's one of the most uncomfortable yeah. things in for modern man to think about. And, and in many ways, people like don't even think like they just literally don't think about it. They just pretend like they're not going to die someday or like somehow they're going to yeah. avoid death. And the way that people react to death is so odd to me because I, you know, I like, I mean, de- death touches us all. Like death comes for us all. Death comes for every single member of our family. There's no point in trying to avoid it, avoid it and think, and I think also, and look, People dying, yeah, there's something painful of the passage of uh, somebody from this life into the next and, and from their soul leaving their bodies. Like, there's something painful in that. There's something painful not being able to physically touch and physically be with somebody whom you love. That's incredibly painful. Of course it is. Yeah. There, there's, no, there's, no, there's no denying that part of it. But on the flip side, in a way, th- there's, I think the reaction to death is so it's almost without hope today. Like there's a, there's this, and people when they, they get cancer are just terrified and everybody, you know, it's the, this horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And, and again, cancer's bad. I'm not, this is not saying that these things aren't bad. I guess yeah. what I'm saying is that the, like we should look at our reactions to these things and, and, and think about, you know, is it, um, is it, is it, yeah, is it in, in right proportion? Because there are times when, and, and then on the flip side, and I think this is the danger of all this, which is that we've gone to these two extremes where you have this one extreme where it's like the person's suffering. So like, let them die. Which is like, well, okay. I mean, like not that much dignity, I guess, in suffering, which, you know, like there is an incredible amount of dignity in suffering. So that's one, I think one extreme. And so we're just like, well, just like, let them take some, you know, some, some, pills and pass away quietly in their sleep and you're like what? like it's it's a huge denial of that that a human life has dignity even in suffering that it's beautiful even when in an immense suffering and that you can have yeah. that you can grow to to closer to man's final end and something that is good for man through suffering yeah, That's I mean, it. with that There's, line of argument, you would just get to, you know, I mean, like stub I, my toe, just pull the plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know? but, but yes, I mean, yeah, you can eventually get there. But I, but I think on the other side, though, we have this sort of um, other side, which, and I think it comes from the same place, like nobody should suffer. And so suffering is so terrible. But then at the same time, when somebody dies, there's this massive reaction. And I think you saw this with COVID where it's like, where, where, where someone who is 95 years old, who is, has you know, four different comorbidities is, is, is quite sick. And then, and then they die and people are acting like, like somehow this is, was avoidable. Like it was some, somehow this thing to, to run, to run away from. Yeah. And and I, this is really interesting for here. So, so 
this is really interesting because you're saying some people are acting. Um, what what did you just say that um, um, people are acting like this is avoidable and like uh, and they don't want to suffer or, or yeah. whatever whatever yeah. it was you said, but that's exactly what. So hearkening back to the metaverse thing, why metaverse? Why metaverse? So that you can mitigate and control suffering. Yeah. So you can mitigate and control that, right? And and it makes me think of um, the Republic, Plato's Republic, right? You know, given the chance, without any consequences, man will always choose to do the thing that is not just, is one of the arguments made in the Republic, right? Wait, okay. wait, wait given the chances, man will always choose to do man that will which choose is to not do. just. Yeah, man will choose to do the thing which is most pleasurable um, and, um, you know, with no regard for justice. Um, okay. If there's no consequences. Um, if there's no consequences. If there's no consequences. You know, and the consequences um, being – and the consequences are, are, are part of – and these negative consequences, you know, that we experience, they're the fruit of – our negative dis our our poor decision making, right? This is not beneficial for me, but I chose it anyways, you know, because I make poor decisions sometimes, right? And all of a sudden we have a consequence then. Yeah. Right. And and that is and that is because of the fact that man has faults and man can have faults in man's sins. So essentially what the metaverse is trying to do is get rid of the effects. It's trying to become its own savior. It's trying to become, it's trying to get rid of original sin. There's no effects to your actions. There's no consequence to your actions, right? Yeah. There is no death. There's no suffering, right? There is just the metaverse and everything is fine and dandy in the metaverse, <laughs> right? But but how does this play, though, in back into what I was saying about the, the Mentomorians and sort of the, the people sort of trying to, one, trying to avoid death, but I think, number two, like the reactions to death in this world. I mean, the, the either the reaction of, you know, well, let's just let somebody pass away and, you know, that's their other suffering, give them some pills versus like, hey, this person was literally on their deathbed and just died. And so now our family just fell apart and is now completely, you know, is and people are, I'm lo like people because are losing. We literally it. have no idea how to react to suffering. If you know, because we try to do it on our own. We try to do it of our own devices. Like we, we have no idea how to react to suffering. So there's two responses to it. Either freak the hell out. Right. When it happens and someone dies, and we don't like that and something someone's gone then you either freak the hell out or you do everything you can to make it not happen again so that's where you have those yeah. two sides of the argument right you have or you become you cold, or you become incredibly cold like you turn your heart and maybe that's maybe that's trying to keep it from happening again maybe that's part of trying to keep it from it's happening probably again part of it yeah Be and I think that there's that like healthy balance, right? Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted, right? There's these, this, oh, this, yeah. this aspect of mourning. I mean, that you need to allow the things that hurt, the things that wound yeah. your heart to actually wound your heart to, to mourn those things. And, and I think the death of a loved one will naturally make your heart, you know, break and, and you're, you naturally will weep, but, but also 
mourn, I think, with hope, right? Mourn with the idea that you shall be comforted and, and you know, and, and take comfort in that very yeah. thought that, hey, allowing this mourning. And, and also I think too, and this is, I guess what I'm trying to say is that like allow there to be comfort, allow there to be hope. Like don't, man, there's so many problems. Our world has so many problems. Like there's a, there was a priest the other day who was gave a homily. He said, you know, the, the worst thing about this world right now is that like mortal sin has become normalized. And, and yet we talk, we talk about, you know, every, as though everybody will go to heaven. And yet the path that has been laid forth for people is the path that leads to hell. Like it's, mortal sin is completely normal. I mean, it's not even like people, like you say that something is a mortal sin and people want, I mean, people don't even have a concept of sin. One, number two, people don't even, you know, definitely don't have a concept of mortal sin where somehow your soul will die because of sin. And then number three, to say something like that is thought to be like the most crazy, extreme, hateful, bigoted thing that you could say. But it's like, well, no, it's the most, one of the most loving things you can say. Like if there really is something after death, I mean, I want my loved ones. I want people whom I love to, to be, you know, you know, I want their souls to live on. I want their souls to be eternally happy and I want their souls to be eternally in, in possession of the good. Oh my gosh. The, 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 when Socrates, this goes all the way back to the symposium, little tangent, and then we'll pull it back. But the, um, and in the symposium, Socrates says that the nature of love is the eternal possession of the good. I thought that was beautiful that the soul does not want to possess the good just for a time, but the soul desires to possess or yeah, to possess. It's the eternal possession of the good. You know, that's Aristophanes or it's Socrates. I think it might be Socrates or it might be, um, Agathon, but one of them talks about that, like that's the nature of love. And I thought that was incredibly beautiful. That's the eternal possession of the good. I mean, is that not what we desire? And, and also then Socrates goes on to say how like love is somehow everything, but also nothing, you know, I mean, he just pretty much just makes you all confused. No, <laughs> but, no, he, yeah. but, um, but I thought what was beautiful about what, what Socrates go, goes on about is that you both possess love in a way, but also don't possess it. Like if, if you were to possess it fully, then you would never, then it would be, then you would never want it. And so you would, you would leave it to the side. It almost like a, a child's toy and you would just leave it after they get tired of it. You would just leave it and, and go to something else. But, but no, like true love is something that you never fully possess. Like it's always something that you do possess, but you don't possess fully. And so you're constantly desiring to have that which you do not have. And 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 in that is the the love. So it's the the love is the desire to to for the eternal possession of the good. And I think that's what everybody wants their loved ones to have. The eternal possession of the good. But, and this is what's so scary about I think our modern world. If you do not possess it now, if you are not pursuing and desiring the possession of goods, true goods, eternal goods, everlasting goods, if you are not pursuing those things, making that your life's aim, centering your life around the the possession of those everlasting goods, well then you will not live, like your soul will pass on and it will be in that state forever it will not be pursuing those eternal goods and by not pursuing them and it will be sort of finalized. Like in this world, we sort of live in a, in an in between yeah. in some sense where we're, we're never, we're never fully one way or fully another way. We're kind of, 
were kind of, I, you know, these creatures sort of caught in the middle between, between pursuing what is good and also leaving off what is good. And, and like you said, naturally, like what, what Plato talks about in the Republic, like choosing injustice rather than justice or, or these other things, because we, we forget the consequences or we try to mitigate the consequences to those actions, or we try to avoid them or make excuses for them. And so we're constantly caught in between this ebb and this flow. And I think, but when we die, when we pass on, like that ever that flow it ends the ever the flow is done it's one way or it's the other way and that's the thing like and and so if we are if we are making our life's goal the pursuit of these eternal and everlasting goods then in eternity we will possess and be pursuing good and truth and beauty for eternity and it will be beautiful and if we but if we sort of and this is where the whole metaverse thing kind of comes in. If we, you know, are sucked into our phones, go out and see the sun sunset and just never, never make the effort to actually sit in silence for long enough to actually get back to the sunset. You know, if we just always are choosing that other route, which again, I am guilty of choosing all the time. And it's a huge struggle. It's yeah. a massive battle. But if we, if we give up on that battle, if we give up that fight and just like lay down and be like, well, you know, I'll just take the haptic suit and I'll let it, you know, I'll take the bodily pleasure. And, you know, I just, I don't need the sunsets. I don't need the virtue. I don't need the sun, you know, the, the sunshine or the rain or, 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 you know, these, these eternal goods, these virtues, this beauty. I don't need true beauty, objective beauty. I don't need any of that stuff. I don't need to pursue yeah. the truth. Well then, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's, well, it's, well uh, then, well then this, well then this, because I, th I think what happens then we live in a world where suffering and where where these things that we we view as evil because they don't feel good or seem good or whatever they're actually quite integral to the way we understand the world and for us to be completely within the world and be good in the world right um without the experience of having stubbed your toe or gotten you know cold and sick to the bone because of the rain or something like that you would never know you'd never have an experience to contrast the beauty of a, of a sunset beach with great weather with right or you know you know stub your toe almost. or just the comfort of your mother like when you stub yeah, your exactly. toe you know you stub your toe or or you know i mean you know my wrist it's like, like I, the incredible say if everything is super Nothing everybody's super, super yeah. nobody's super yeah right if every experience is good no experience is good yeah right and that's the way we exist in our world right now because it's the whole um, so socrates like or socrates sort of thing like where where love is something but it, is it something or is it nothing like do you possess it or do you not possess it can you ever actually possess it or can you know, you know what i mean like the, there's yeah. this yeah yeah and so i think it's just it's so vital for us to not go into some kind of alternative universe, you know, and <laughs> to continue experience. Don't put on the goggles. Don't put on the suit, right? And to continue experiencing all kinds of pain and suffering alongside with the joys and all the inspirational things as well. Otherwise, if we just inundate ourselves with just 
what we think are the good things, all of a sudden they're not good anymore, right? It's like, um, it's like Picasso's painting of Guernica. Picasso has that beautiful painting Guernica, and it's uh, it's it's a very that? it's a landscape piece. Um, it's uh, it, I don't know it, if I've it, ever seen that. Yeah, it's it's a black and white. It's 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 landscape. It's very big, and it's it's he painted in response to the Spanish uh, Revolution, I believe, and um, the whole thing is just it's painful to look at. Um, like there's there's a whole lot of um pain. It's a very emotive piece, and there's a whole lot of pain um in like certain animals depicted in it and. And on the left side of the painting, there's a there's a mother, who's um, you know, weeping and looking up, um, and wailing over her dead child, right? Um, and it's just a very emotive piece. It's very it's very painful, but it's through that experience of pain that we're given this beautiful piece of art, right? Yeah. Um. I don't know why I chose that one because there's so many examples as well, right? It's simple as a pieta, right? The same thing, right? Mary holding, um, holding Christ, and you know the pain of that gives us this beautiful piece of art. You know, the the pain of the cross in general gives us the joy of the resurrection, right? And so, and and that's the whole concept behind behind not going into a metaverse. Right, you need to have both experiences, or else a resurrection without a crucifixion is nothing. You know, stepping out of a stepping out of a tomb without having died first, anybody can do that. <laughs> but you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so. no, no, it's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. The, the the whole the whole thing that you said about the the pain bringing these beautiful experiences. It that's when I think of the hardest truths that human beings come to wrestle wrestle with because not everybody gets it. Not everybody uh, wants to, uh, or at different times you get it, at different times you don't. I mean, I know in my own life, you know, there's been moments of deep suffering that have brought about beautiful joys and, and beautiful resurrections. And yet at the same, there's also been times where there's been deep pains and sufferings that I've, allowed to harden my heart. And I think that the, there's that choice within suffering, right? To, to I think, go into it, to enter into it, to embrace it in a way, or to allow the whole mourning, right? Allow yourself to mourn because then you will be comforted because like on the other end of it is that resurrection or is that beautiful woman or, you know, is that painting or that poem? I mean, you know, I, I mean, we're both more poets um, than we are, probably anything else uh, artistic and and uh, and um, you know mo- some of the most beautiful poetry comes out of these incredible experiences of pain and I think the most beautiful poetry dances upon that line of possession and yearning right like not possessing this beautiful thing or having lost it but that's love poetry. Oh man. man. I mean, it's, I think it's all poetry though. I mean, my, my favorite poetry, my, my I think still, you see it. One, yeah. I mean, Francis, Oh dude, Francis Thompson. I just, 
Yeah. yeah. Oh man, the, but the poem that he has. Uh, um, oh gosh, my brainy brain. Uh, it's like my favorite poem. I can't even remember right now. Not the Hound of Heaven, although I talk about that one way too often. <laughs> um, no, it's the. It's. Uh, I think it's Lily. I think it's called Lily. Or oh gosh, no Daisy. I think it's maybe Daisy. Oh man, you have to look it up. Anyways, okay. I think it's out of the the Daisies, but it's. But it's when he he meets this little girl by the seaside, and they just sort of look at the seaside, and they they just sort of share this moment together, standing by the seaside. And then she goes her way, and it, and he has this beautiful line of, you know, uh, um, oh, I don't want to not say it properly, but like all the pain or all the pangs of uh, partings, and and all you know all the partings yet to be, or something like that. And I gotta pull up the poem. Okay, you you talk for a second. I'm gonna it. pull up this one. Oh, did you find Absolutely. it? Go to like yeah, the end of it, man. Daisy. Yeah, it's Daisy. Okay, so go to the end, and it's one of it's. I'll read the last three stanzas. Okay, go ahead. She left me marveling why my soul was sad that she was glad at all the sadness in the sweet, the sweetness in the sad. Still, still, I seem to see her still look up with soft replies and take the berries with her hand and the love with her lovely eyes. Nothing begins and nothing ends that is not paid with moan. For we are born in others' pains and perish in our own. Yeah. I mean, I think it speaks to what we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is nothing. Yeah. That is not paid with moan. Yeah. yeah. And also, yeah, for, for we are born in others' pains and perish in our own. And then also the um, left in me, the pangs of all the, you know, partings gone, all the partings yet to be. I think that's. Yeah that there's something to that where like poetry dances on that the most beautiful poems they dance on that edge uh sort of like a nice edge but if you don't experience it yourself you can never write a beautiful poem or you yeah you know or you end up and i think we have a lot of we have a lot of art today where you it's just it's lame like it it doesn't because it's not embracing that it's one extreme or the other. It's it's all pleasure yeah. or it's all pain. It's, yeah, exactly. I feel yeah, exactly. I was just gonna say, I feel like it's a common misconception that poetry takes you out of the real world and puts you in a world of pleasure or puts you in a world of just love, love poetry, or just puts you in a world of pain, you know, um, or something like that. And if if that were the case, then then the metaverse is poetry, right? <laughs> you know. Oh, for sure. If that were the case, then that's poetry. But but that's not what poetry does. The poetry puts you, in a sense, more in the world. It's all the the possible. It's all the possibilities of, of of something that has been experienced, and it's looking at it from all the different perspectives of that. Um, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I, I do think, though, that I think that's where art and the most beautiful art touches, again, on that balance. It, 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 it's on that knife's edge that it it rides or it, it, it teeters. But most of, I think, our art today is either all pleasure or it's all pain. Right? You have incredibly depressing things. And I remember, I, and look, oh, I, yeah. I still to this day, I think the movie is actually quite beautiful. Blue Valentine with, um, you know, my, Ryan go, Gosling. Oh, man, yeah. Dude, I, I hate good... that movie. 
Also, it's so painful, man. It's like horribly mm. painful. But there's, I, I did not like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think at the end, though, and look, I, and I agree. Somebody at the very end, I watched it with my family once and with some friends, and I remember at the end, everybody hated it. Watch it with your me. family. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the type of movie I would watch with my family. It's worse because I watched it with my mom, who like wants like her idea of a movie is a movie that is super happy. Everything is like you know is is a perfect ending, and you know nobody is nobody is nobody is sad at the end, and everything is happy you know happily ever after, and all the all the things are resolved and happily ever. A Midsummer's Night Dream. Kind oh of my! Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And um, <laughs> so I watched that with her, and she hated it. She just she could not believe that this was. A movie. Well, I'm with your mom on this one. <laughs> I I did not like that movie. <laughs> I think, but I think there's something really cool how they show like the beauty of the young love, and then they show it kind of fall apart. I just thought it was really reminiscent of like the relationships in our world today. I just thought it was there, there it was were, a beautiful. There, yeah, I mean, a, I did not like the movie. That being said, there is something kind of painfully true about it um if that's what you're getting at that i can agree with um i think there's more of what i what i liked about it is that i thought it was it was painfully true and there were some redeeming moments in it there were definitely some redeeming moments there were 100 come on Tony. <laughs> yeah okay yeah exactly but <laughs> i mean there's it's it's painfully true it's painfully true and i think that's what people want like you know, uh, it's like, oh, you see that with movies, right? Um, you see that with music, right? Um, you know, your favorite genre, one of your favorite genres of music, you know, being hip hop, one of my favorite genres of mu music being folk, right? It's something you see in both of them is the painfully true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You absolutely see that. And like hip hop, you know, talking about you know the grind and the hustle you know real hip-hop here right and and you see folk music doing the same thing you know it's mining songs and work working songs and things like that and yeah. and you know well i mean they were born you know, out of a lot they were born out of a lot of pain i think they, they, yeah like and the, it's these the, songs that that actually latch on and start defining a culture and society and, and a people that are painfully true yeah they're painfully true but i think you've right? the... and and Sorry. and 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 even things like and painfully true and and to be fair painfully true is also you know is also love songs as well but but my point is the painfully true right um yeah you but I guess... you start to see the things that latch on are the painfully true i want to push into this a little bit um okay which is that the whole the whole dancing on the knife's edge and then a lot of our art falling onto either the one side of all pleasure or all pain. Because I think when the art forms have arisen, right? So with rap, I'll take rap. Rap arose out of a lot of pain, right? Community, you know, uh, you know, when you think of Nas and you think of Jay-Z or you go, you go, you know, to, to NWA and all the, all the guys at NWA, like there's a lot of pain there, right? It comes out of, it comes out of a life that was not pleasant and their art was pain in, in many ways, painfully true, but 
I mean, you listen to Nas's early album. I mean, man, they're beautiful. There's something about them that is just, he paints these pictures of, of life in New York city and of, you know, even this, this kind of, in ways, terrible life, but, but it's beautiful in, in, in a sense. I think it's quite beautiful. And yet he, he portrays it so accurately. He portrays it so accurately. Yeah. But also he sees something more in it. Like he sees something heroic in it. Like he, he paints these characters within it that are almost heroes and heroic. And, and there's something. Yeah. Creates a narrative. Yeah. And so. But then as time has gone on and may, maybe it's like this with folk where folk maybe like leaked back into, you know, your, your Kenny Chesney's country. And then now. Oh now my gosh. No, 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 no. Here, listen, listen to me for a second though. Where you kind of have, where you kind of, where you kind of have like true folk music with things like John Hartford and, and these beautiful music, these incredible musicians. And then it kind of Mississippi John Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. you kind of end up with like Kenny Chesney, but then you also have the redemption moment where you get the mandolin oranges now, and you get these other, these other artists who are now kind of taking that art form and they're, they're bringing it back to its roots in some sense. But like Kenny Chesney is all just pleasure. Like, it's all just like, Hey, I'm drinking with, a, you know, I'm drinking in the rain and, and then, you know, I fall in the mud and we make out in the mud and then I'm drunk and we just feel real <laughs> good guys. Like everybody feel good. Like, Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, just, exactly. it's so lame. Like it's so lame. And then, and then, you know, and, and then, and then with rap, I think it's become the same thing. It's all just like all this, like pleasure. It's all look, look at me, look at me, look at me, look how awesome I am. Look how much pleasure I have in my life. Look at how much pleasure I'm able to obtain for myself. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's just lame. Like it's lame. Like there's yeah. no, there's, there's nothing to it. And and that dances on the one side of it. And then you have this, and then you have this music, which is just like nihilistic and to the extreme, you know, and you can think of things like, I mean, man, if you go back to like Brent breaking Benjamin and, uh, you know, like, like bands of you know, these rock bands and stuff like Hobson up, does that sometimes Hobson does, he does leak into that. Yeah, for sure. And he kind of fights You can tell that he kind of fights it, but he totally yeah. leaks into it. And, 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 and even, yeah. even, um, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of rappers that leak into that, but the, the point is that like you also have this other extreme, which is like pure pain. It's either pure pain or it's pure pleasure, but it's very, the, the, the most beautiful art is the one that kind of rides on the knife's edge, you know, where there's, 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 there's pain, but it's not pain without a purpose, but it's also there, there's, there's the acceptance of the, the, the understanding or the hope that, through this pain, there might come a resurrection. That through this pain, there might come comfort. That through this mourning, there might come comfort. You know. So I don't know. There's something. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, uh, I think simplistic and. Oh yeah, I mean it's all simplistic. Thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're your 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 okay. couch your yeah. couch sitting philosophers over here. But I mean. Yeah, I think the 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 hope, you know, to bring it all around full circle to Bonfire Media. I mean, the, I I guess the hope for Bonfire Media is to to ride the knife's edge. Yeah, to ride the knife's edge. You know, to use that metaphor. I mean, I I think it's, I've been thinking. I've been thinking a lot about it recently. As you know. I'm certainly, and you're certainly, we're certainly no Mark Zuckerbergs, but, but, you know, to do that little bit, you can to counteract the metaverse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's to create, to create beautiful, to create experiences for people that are, that, 
yeah that, that either push that, them to go outside and experience something real in their life and to pursue and to to actually try to pursue those same experiences or those same those same um poetic moments in their own life and to receive those things from the rain or from a sunset and to also provide them for people like to give them those experiences because without them your soul's just dead (laughs) well yeah and a lot of people and and i guess the 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 thing is in our own lives you know me and you in particular you and i have been blessed to like have these things in our life and been surrounded by things which point out these beautiful experiences to us right and and the whole inspiration for creating bonfire is to help be that for other people right to to help point out beautiful things to other people right we're not the whole the point isn't to sit here and explain it to you and to tell you why it's beautiful or anything like that we're not experts on 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 these things yeah but the point is to create a to create a place you know starting online and hopefully getting more offline and just in your own communities in your homes where you can where you can experience beauty and where you can surround yourself with the same things yeah and where then you can go and take that and bless other people with with beauty right and give hope right yeah yeah Yeah. and and i think to create I mean, hopefully, I mean, again, I think hopefully it's, and it goes back to something we talked about at the beginning, which is friendship, right? It's hopefully to awaken and hopefully people discover friendship and love and true love, you know, love of their brother or love of their sister, like through, you know, within, within this world of beauty And, and, and to touch on, I think what you said, which is, yeah, which is, it's, it's constantly with the trajectory of, Hey, we're not sitting here telling you why this thing is beautiful. We're just putting this beautiful thing in front of you. Like experience yeah. it, immerse yourself in it, then go and pursue something like that. If if that inspires you to go pick up philosophy, go pick up philosophy. I you know, I don't yeah. really care in some sense. Like, like yeah, it's, I mean, it's and the like, interesting thing is too. Like, I mean, we sit here and have this conversation, and the whole inspiration. Um, you know, for recording a podcast or recording music or putting down our own second rate poems or something like that. Right. The whole part is, um, well, there's lots of inspirations. One is to show people it can be, you know, people are doing this. Right. And like we, there are people out there having good conversations. Like are, am I Aristotle and are you Aquinas? Are we experts at this? No, we're not. (laughs) And many of the things that we're talking about, you know, like, quite frankly, we could be massively wrong about, yeah. you know, Oh yeah. we're not, and we're not spreading this as, 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 as the truth, as the truth, you know, what we are spreading, what we do want to say is that this is what the we're pursuit is pursuing. Truth, this is what the pursuit of the truth, yeah. you know, looks like, you know, this is, this is, um, you know, this is you, we can all do this. We can all engage in conversations, trying to uplift each other and trying to introduce each other to beautiful things and trying to understand why the things in our life are beautiful. Thank you for listening to the bonfire podcast. Episode one, we decided to cut it off. The last little bit was a little bit 
wandering, so we decided to cut it off. But thank you for listening, and we look forward to making more episodes, and we hope that you look forward to listening to them.